So turn your Bible to Philippians chapter 2. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun, so it'd be hard to find something new to preach on. Of course, I could give you research papers and newspapers, articles and so on. But I just want to preach from the Word of God this morning. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. Listen to these words from God's Word. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The divinity of Jesus is almost universally uncontested. All admit that there is some sense in which Jesus is divine. But many stop there. They see he was not God, he was divine in the sense that all of us have part of divine in us. But if Jesus is only divine, that is a touch of the divine, then our faith is vain. We're still in our sins, for this is true of each one of us. And if Jesus was just divine, then we don't have a savior. But this passage I've read to you tells us that Jesus was God. He was deity. In John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was in it not anything made that was made. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That was Jesus, and He is God. Jesus is deity. Now the scripture speaks of God made flesh. I want to give you four reasons why we know that Jesus is God. And no one else that was ever of human form could make that claim. No one. When I was in Michigan, there was a man named Father Divine. He went all over America. He had a special train. He was a black man, a good man, I'm sure, but he claimed that he was Jesus incarnate. And everywhere he went, great crowds met him. They later arrested him for income tax evasion. I was in a revival meeting over in Glasgow a number of years ago and went to a nursing home service 
And I noticed a lady weeping all the way through the service. And after the meeting, I talked with her. She said, I wish you'd pray for my son. She said, he's gone to Houston. There's a guru from India, 15-year-old fat boy. And he says he's God. And my son believes that. And there are thousands going to worship him down at that arena in Houston. Those are just two illustrations. Today, there are people all over the world claiming to be God. I want to submit to you, there is no one like that. Only Jesus is God. And there are four reasons why I tell you that. Number one, he paid the price for our sin. There was none other good enough to pay the price for sin. He only could unlock the door of heaven and let us in. Man was sold into sin. Sin is a terrible monster. It wraps its tentacles around our lives and drags us down, down, down. You know the origin of sin? God created Adam and Eve innocent. The devil came along disguised as always, as always, as always. Disguised as a crafty serpent. He said, as God really said, you shall not eat of the tree of this knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat it, you'll be like God. Eve believed him, deceived, took of the fruit. God said no. Eve knew God said no. She did it anyway. That's what sin is. God says no. Man says, I want to do it anyway. Sounds good. Looks good. It'll help me. And the devil agrees with that. And I want to say to you parents, be very careful what you allow your kids to see and watch. Some of you will not like what I'm going to say. I think you're very unwise if you allow your child before he's 18 or 19 years old to have in his own room a computer and you don't have any mask on the computer. And you let him give and send and receive emails, you better find out what those emails are saying. You better find out what they're watching on that, that uh, uh, computer. And if you say, well, I've got a little son and daughter, he's so wonderful and she's so wonderful, they wouldn't think of doing or saying anything that wouldn't be pleasing to mom and dad. You're just a deceived man or woman. Sin and wickedness and evil is bound up in the heart of children. It was in you. It is in you today. The Bible says that was our big problem, sin, S-I-N. And we're helpless to break the bondage of that sin unless Christ does it. And when Jesus went to the cross 2,000 years ago, he was God incarnate in human flesh. He dwelt among men. He touched blind eyes and caused them to see. He interrupted funeral processions, raised dead people to life. And then they led him to Calvary. They'd rather have a Barabbas, who was a thief and a vagabond and a murderer and insurrectionist, crucified Jesus, released Barabbas. And the world still says that. Our recent Supreme Court rulings, 
remind us that we cannot tell the difference between right and wrong, between black and white, between good and evil. And the moral law of America crumbled the other day when the laws that upheld biblical truths were set aside and people can do whatever they want to out of privacy. Moms and dads, be wise enough to not let your kids do that. Sin is a terrible monster. And Jesus came knowing how terrible sin was. He took that sin on himself. The wages of sin is death. But he took the penalty for sin himself and died on a rugged cross. And all of our sins were piled on him. And Jesus died of a broken heart. It was an awful, awful thing at Calvary that day when he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of Christ, of God. And then they buried him. Three days later, he was raised from the dead, indicating you cannot kill God. You can curse him. You can ignore him. You can reject him, but you can't kill him. Truth stands. God stands. The cross stands. And Jesus paid the entire price That's the reason, young people, that's the reason, older folks, listen. When you're saved, you're saved forever. Jesus paid the past price, the present price, the future price for our sins. All of it. All our sins were paid for at Calvary. And when Jesus died, he said, it is finished. What is finished? The work of salvation. So he paid the price for sin. Nobody else could do that. I couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. Mom can't do it. Dad can't do it. Children can't do it. The president can't do it. The kings can't do it. But Jesus did. He is God in human flesh. He died for our sins. He paid the price for our sins. Now, not only did he pay the price for our sins, He put away the priestly system. In the Old Testament, when somebody sinned, they'd go take an animal and they'd kill the animal, take the blood and pour it on the altar. They'd take that other animal and put some of the blood on that other animal and send him out in the woods, indicating the taking away of sin. When Jesus came, he put away that priestly system. When he was dying on the cross, all of a sudden there was a terrible earthquake. Everybody down at the foot of the cross began to run off. Somebody said a, a runner came from Jerusalem crying, high priest, high priest, the veil of the temple is rent in twain. And the veil into the Holy of Holies was rent from the top to the bottom. No human person on the earth did it. God did it from above telling us that never again would a human priest have to go and offer a blood sacrifice for sin. Jesus paid it all. Not all the blood of beasts on Jewish altars slain could give the guilty conscience peace or take away our sin. But Christ, our heavenly lamb, nobler blood than they, takes all our sins away. Jesus did it. He put away the priestly system. That's the reason in Bible-believing churches you don't call your minister a priest. 
He's the preacher. Now, it would be okay to call him a priest if you call everybody else a priest. Every woman in this woman in this church today who is saved is a priest. Every man in this church today who is a saved person is a priest. Every young person is a priest because God made us priests under God. You don't have to go through a preacher or a minister to get to God. You go directly to God. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, you pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You don't go through Mary. You don't go through the priest. You don't go through the saints. You go directly to God because Jesus put away the priestly system. He was God. Thirdly, he promised perpetual life. Now, perpetual, by that word, I do not mean the ordinary term. Perpetual means uh, something that goes and keeps on going with no, no outward force or no inward force, no batteries, no electricity. It just keeps on going. Now, God gave us perpetual life because that life is inside of us and that life is Jesus. He said, I give unto them eternal life. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I put them in God's hand. Neither shall any man pluck them out of God's hand. Eternal life means eternal life. It doesn't mean life for just a few days or a few hours or a few months or a few years. It means forever. Saved forever. I am saved forever through the risen Lord. So because Jesus was God and is God, Jesus promises perpetual life. Listen, friend, you don't have to be afraid that because you trusted Christ 10 years ago that you have to get, trust Jesus again, get saved all over again. When you sin, you do need to confess your sins, not in order to be saved, but so your fellowship will be restored. It's like when you, your children disobey you. You like to hear them come and say, Daddy, I'm sorry, Mom, I'm sorry. Not in order for them to continue to be your children, but so the fellowship will be restored. That's the way it is with God. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Last of all, because Jesus is God, he has the power to open the gates of glory. I have a song that Jesus gave me. It was sent from heaven above. There never was a sweeter story. It's the story of love. In my heart, there rings a melody. It is a melody of love. Jesus awakened that song because he is God. Nobody else could do that. He opened the doors of songs. That's the reason Christians like to sing. We do a lot of singing here. I wish we could have four-hour services where we could sing a lot. Sometimes I've said our Sunday night service has been in the past a rehearsal for heaven where we could sing a whole lot. Don't ever do away with the idea of God's people getting together to sing. I like the way the Lord, Lord has us sing. The choir just blessed my heart while ago as they sang. And Brother Lloyd, as he brought that wonderful message in the trumpet while ago, and all the beautiful music. God does that. But not only does he open the door of beautiful songs, he opens the door of a new transformed life. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. 
Old things are passed away. All things are become new. That's because Jesus is God. It's not just a matter of turning over a new leaf. It's having a new life. Christ comes in and changes us. And then he closes the door of hell. No one who is saved will ever go to hell. Isn't that victory? That ought to be an uplift in your soul to think, I am saved from the eternal punishment of our sins. You see, you can't really understand how good that is until you know how terrible sin is. Sin is an awful monster that would take you down, 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 down to a wasted life and an eternity without God. But because Jesus is God, because Jesus is God, he banged the door of hell for you. It is as if Jesus is standing at the very door of hell saying, don't go to hell, don't go to hell. And when you put your trust and faith in Christ, that cave of hell is closed. And you're on your way to heaven. And so, because Jesus is God, he opens the door of heaven. We sang a while ago about heaven. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. Day I will never forget. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Heaven came down, and the artist that wrote that song closed it by giving a great climax. Heaven came down, and glory filled my soul. So we can enjoy heaven here, but just a little foretaste of it. Over there in heaven, how precious and beautiful it's going to be. Do you have a desire to go to heaven? I'm not saying, do you want to hurry up and get out of earth? Nobody you know, in his right thinking, wants to leave here any quick, quicker than God wants us to. But heaven is wonderful. We don't have to dread it. We look forward to it. You just think of someday the silver cord will break. And I no more as now shall sing. But oh, the joy when I shall wake within the palace of my king. And I shall sing the story, tell the story saved by grace. Now, all because Jesus is God. I couldn't promise that. Our deacons couldn't promise it. Our church can't promise it, but Jesus can because he's God. Therefore, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. May we pray. Our Father... Thank you that Jesus is God. We pray that the Spirit of God will use the Word of God to bring conviction. May every believer here think of how terrible sin is and receive the warning about their kids and their teenagers watching things that would hurt them here and forever. And we pray that believers will say, Lord, thank you that you've opened the door of a song. You've opened the door of a new life. You've closed the door of hell. You've opened the door of heaven. And our Father, we pray that someone without Christ will want Jesus, will turn away from sin and invite Christ to come into his heart. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's stand, please. 468, without him, I would be nothing. How true that song is. Find the page number and then listen to me a moment. 468. 468 without him. If you're here today without Jesus, you have nothing. 
Only you and God know this. You may be a church member. Maybe you're on the periphery, living a, living a life of experimenting with sin, which is tantalizing in our world today. Or maybe you've just never, never been saved. If you're without Christ, come to Him today. Trust Him as your Savior. If you are saved, are you serving Him? There's some here who ought to move their membership to this church and become part of the fellowship here. Some who are, maybe you've made a quiet profession somewhere in your heart, but you've never confessed Him openly. Why not today? Why not say, Lord, I'm not ashamed of you. I want to take a stand for Christ today. While we begin to sing, will you come for Christ?